Hi friends, welcome back to another video slash episode of the James Red Podcast. I'm here with a, a guy who I came across through my wife, who knows somebody named Sarah Dietschy, who was an Adobe creative resident, who uh, who is knows this guy who is an Adobe creative resident and who is a designer. His name is Tammy Coker, and he's a designer and photographer, Adobe creative resident. And what that means is that Adobe will allow they basically support creators and allow them to pursue their passion projects for an entire year which is super awesome and i think a lot of creators definitely envy that um but what his design is interesting it has a really really exciting style to it and i want to talk to him about it it's like this beautiful interplay between uh photo elements and he has a strong handle of color theory and it's sort of uh, surreal in its nature. There's one that there's there's a an example that I think of where he mixed a guy uh, and a fish. There's like a guy coming out of the back of a fish. <laughs> really exciting stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like just an elegant handle of on the use of color, and um, I think that's really interesting. And I want to I want to pick his brain, talk about it. I'll link below to his things. He is a, an interesting creator. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, James. I'm doing great. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so, how you were telling me that your day has been busy? Has it been good, busy, or bad, busy? It has been good, busy. Um, um, this morning, I had a call. Um, we got to talk to like the Patreon team to figure out like how we can possibly use their their um, services at the end of the year. Um, right now, it would be hard to try to do a Patreon while doing the Adobe residency. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good, but I slept at like 4.30 this morning. So I missed like part of the meeting because I forgot and I was sleeping. So <laughs> uh, rough starts, but um, the day started getting better. Um, I had a meeting with another friend who I'm doing some graphic design for. She wants me to design like her Spotify um, playlist. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, I wanted to design a Spotify playlist cover. That's interesting. And yeah, so I've never had anyone ask me to do that because I usually just do it for my own list. But if that's a way of like, if that's like a new avenue to be doing design, I don't mind. It sounds yeah. interesting. So you, so yeah. you, you slept until four thirty and missed a meeting. What kind of meetings are you going to, man? Uh, um. So I slept. No, I I slept at. 4.30 this morning and the meeting was like uh, the meeting was like 9.50 a.m. in San Francisco. Oh, you went to sleep 11... at 4.30? Yeah, yeah. Like oh. 4.30 this morning. I, I, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting the time difference this year. No, um, no, no. Yeah, you're four, good. I thought I you were saying at... you woke up at 4.30. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, my gosh. I was like, what meetings <laughs> are you go? What are you missing at 3 a.m. in the morning? <laughs> Right. I mean, when I was a teacher, I used to wake up that early or like 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't miss that anymore. Oh, dude, I used to be a Starbucks barista, and I did that for a little while, and I almost died physically. Oh, yeah. it's it's, it's It takes a toll on the body. Mm. But yesterday, we, we, have a, we have a presentation next week um, with some Adobe people in San Francisco. So I was working on that to like two. And then I started working on something else. Then before I knew it, it was four thirty, and my eyes were twitching, so I went to sleep. Man, if there was any, <laughs> if there was any doubt that you were a legitimate designer, it has all been cast away by uh, you stating <laughs> that you went to sleep at four thirty, because that's how it goes. Yeah, like ideas come, or I'm working on some stuff, and I'm like, I have the momentum is going, and I can't make it. I can't let it stop because if not, I would just not be able to get back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting, man, and I. I used to do that a lot. Um, I I have started to my body will fall apart if I don't get enough sleep, and I my wife is a little less sensitive to to the lack of sleep, and I I definitely envy her because sometimes things are easier uh, for for right. her in that sense. But I have to I have to pretty consistently. I think it's because I think so hard all day. Maybe my brain just gets worn out more than other people. I'm Right, I'm there with you. I don't know, but anyway, okay. So I just I, I wanted to first talk about your 
design and your style and how you got to where you are today. Uh, how did you get into this type of design and, and design in general to begin with? Yeah, so for design in general, when I was in college, I've always just been cognizant of how like different elements of design can change an image or capture a viewer's attention. And so I was always drawn to that. And um, in my in my college uh, classes, we had to take a graphic design class. And so I took that and it was a lot of fun. We had to learn color. We had to learn printing and stuff like that. And I remember there was this, um, during my senior year, we had this branding project and I took it so seriously because it split the class in half. And I was the... Um, I was the leader for one group and the other guy was the leader for the other group. And so we had to like brand some stuff for the university. And for whatever reason, the whole like my love for graphic design just went crazy. I started looking up inspiration. I started learning illustrator and stuff like that. And um, with photography, I was already doing photography. So that wasn't too hard. It was just how do I blend photography and design together? So I did that. And um, that's kind of how I started. And I just kept going, but then I kind of stopped 2014 after I graduated. No, actually, I stopped 2014, but after I graduated, I went to work at a church as a graphic designer, which was where I met Sarah Dicci. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of months later, I left to go to start teaching. And once I started teaching, it touched Illustrator as much because I didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of branding work. So two years later, my friend started this thing called a poster a day. And this friend was the same person I used to work with uh, at the church where I met Teradici. He was the lead designer. And so we both started um, doing the poster a day stuff together. For me, I wanted to do it because I wanted to get better in Photoshop um, so that I could be as good in Photoshop as I was in Illustrator. I was good in Photoshop, but not when it came to design. When it came to editing, taking blemishes off the face, using the clone stamp tool, all of that stuff, I could do that. But when it comes to like design, um, using the mixer brush tool, using the filter, distort, liquefy, all that stuff, um, I had to learn. And so that's kind of how it started. So um, they started 2016, um, but then 2017, I, I proposed to my now wife. And so I kind of took a break. Um, during our engagement season. And so I kind of picked that back up um, this year. And so I'm finishing my posters this month or early August. It's nice and, to know um, you're in the marriage club too. Yeah, I'm in the marriage club. It's, my, the, it's the best club wife. around, man. Yeah, she's 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 in her room um, watching some show. But I forgot my ring today and she sent me a picture Uh-oh. of it because it I know. I washed the dishes and I forgot to like put the ring back on. The oh, do you, t- you take it off? Brush. I take my ring off every time I wash dishes because I'm horrified of it going down the garbage disposal. Yes, I'm horrified of it going down the I'm also like, I don't know why I feel like, even though it's real, I'm still like treating it like it's not real. So even when I wash my hands, I take it off. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why she was like, hey, it's real. You pay this much for it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. True. So it's not taking a while to get used to that. Well, dude, you could do the hipster thing and just tattoo a ring on your finger. Yeah, I've, I've actually been thinking about it. I don't have any tattoos, but she wants to get a tattoo, and I'm thinking we could do something like that. Hey, man. I mean, if you, you know, if if you, I'm sure you look at marriage the way that I do. It's forever, so you might, yeah. <laughs> you might as well put a ring exactly. on it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so is she? Does she do creative things too? Yeah, so she does uh, photography and she uh, she makes ceramics. Oh, interesting. So she's really good at both of those, yeah. And I think, like, she's grown so much in her photography. I just, I'm so excited to see where, like, she will end up. And we've shot weddings together. I don't usually just have anybody shoot weddings with me. Mm. So she had to, like, I mean, her work was that good for me to be able to, like, say, hey, I can trust her. And it wasn't just because she was my girlfriend. I, I have people that I can hire to second shoot for me but it was just something about her style that i really liked and mm. and so um to me like if you're shooting weddings with me then more likely you're really good and i trust your work 
Mm-hmm. So. Well, and there's like a synchronization that happens too when it's your Definitely. wife, and yeah. you don't have to. Sh- well, you don't have to share the money in the same sense that you would have to share it with uh, just a, a exactly. partner, yeah. right? Exactly. It all goes in house. It all that's, goes. It's in- <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, do you guys feed off of each other in in certain ways? Yeah, I think we do. Um, I, I definitely feel off of her when she does her like. She she works for brands here and there, um, and the way she does like product shooting and lay flats, she's amazing with that. And just aesthetic aesthetically, like she she's so good at making a house a home. Like like mm. like we have the yellow couch, and she made all of that stuff. I mean, if you see my apartment before I got married, I just had a full time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're you know, you're cool with just letting it be a purely functional place for you to yeah, exist. As long as like, <laughs> yeah, if it works, it works. But she's like, she wants it to look good, so that whenever you come, you're actually feeling good about the place and all of that stuff. And so she like decked out our bathroom, and now it, it looks like a museum. It's just well, it makes it, it makes a difference, man. For sure, it definitely did. Because before, I don't even know what it looked like before anymore. Mm-hmm. I just know that now I really like the way the bathroom looks. So my wife loves plants. Like we we probably have sixteen plants in this house right now, and it's we're trying to turn it into like some sort of um some sort of rain, Amazon rainforest jungle place. Right, right. We're trying right. to make our air better. Uh, you know, we live in the Salt Lake Valley, and the air quality is not the best in the world. So. Right. The the goal is that we're going to just breathe in this oxygen rich air and then our brains are going to get huge and then we're going to change the world. <laughs> right. That's the That's game. Good. Plan. That's good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I so I think that um I think their culture really downplays the value of marriage a lot. Oh yeah. And how you I agree. how you can how you can feed off of each other for inspiration but also how the other one can sort of test you and grow you and make you better by pushing all of your buttons and pointing out everything yeah. that's that's wrong with you uh not in a right. nefarious way but like in a in a in a in a constructive criticism kind of way and it's like right it's marriage is is very much testing by fire you're you're you know you're seeing what the other person's doing that is a, a serious character flaw in them or maybe just a minor one that you see it enough that it's frustrating and vice versa and uh, right. i think that marriage is is such a bit you can't be selfish and maintain a marriage oh no i learned that quickly Mm. you know there's i mean you can't (laughs) it's not about you you know you can't think about yourself you have to think about somebody else and it's almost like doing so much good that the other person that you're you're trying to outdo the other person in goodness you know Mm. and so yeah and what i've also learned is like we're a team Mm-hmm. So I, I shouldn't look at my wife as an enemy or anything like that. Uh, we're a team, and if the situation, rather than fussing at her, we can fuss at the situation together, and that will bring us closer. Mm-hmm. You know, because people tend to just say, "Hey, you did this. It's your fault. Why do you always do this?" But rather assessing the situation and then talking to them, like, "Hey, so how can we better address this, or how can we make this not happen again?" Because mm-hmm. you know, that's how team. That's how a team should work. You know. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's amazing whenever I come across a creator who is married in a world of solo creators. Yeah. There, there's a there's a yeah. there's a benefit to being a solo creator, obviously, but there's something that you can't get from being a solo creator that you can get from being a married creator. And there's something that you can't get from being a married creator that you can get from being a solo creator, right? Yeah. You have to trade. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so one thing that is interesting to me about your designs is you're pulling from a lot of, you're seemingly pulling from a lot of different areas in your brain to come up mm-hmm. with these concepts and some of them are mm-hmm. a little bit abstract sort of surreal feeling and you know you're making like I, there's one where you took a picture of a girl with white hair and put a cassette tape over her face and i i thought this was so interesting the, the cassette tape is very colorful a beautiful 
you know, like I said, handling of color theory, uh, pastel wavy colors across it. But it's like, what, how do you, con- how do you conceptualize a design from the beginning? Oh man. Um, I used to take it. I used to, what I used to do before is I used to always think about something before I got into Photoshop and started working on it. But I realized that, you know, sometimes you don't have the time to wait for inspiration. Mm. Um, Cause sometimes it could take me like two days to come up with the concept. Um, and I'm the kind of person I don't like to repeat myself too much, but or I do, I try to make it different whilst using kind of like the same elements. So like with the fish thing, I've done one where the fin was the head. And then I was like, man, I do that a lot. And so I was like, okay, what can I do differently? And so I was like, well, maybe if the fish is coming out of the person, that would look even more amazing. And the fins blend to the person's back. And I found the perfect image for it. But in order to reach that level, I had to like do a lot of trial and error. Mm. So like a lot of my posters, they take longer than the amount of time that I actually put online. Um, and the reason I don't put the whole time is because sometimes I don't want people to feel discouraged. Like, hey, this took 10 o'clock or three hours because two and a half or two hours of, the, of that time was me just just trying to figure out what could work, you know? But then when I figure out what could work, then it took me like maybe 30 minutes, 45, an hour to um, finalize everything. Um, but yeah, so like, it's it's hard because some days I'm like, I run dry, I don't have any ideas. And so I would either go into Pinterest or go into um, uh, Instagram. And sometimes I'll just go to my favorite, my friend's uh, poster day stuff and just like what is he doing what concept is he doing that i might be able to tap into and make it mine um and then there's another guy named slime sunday i love his work um and these concepts are just crazy and now this way he does some of his stuff is not always hard um but the concept is like what gets me and so i'm just trying to get to the level where like I can make up concepts like that on the go. I've also started using notes. So I would put like ideas that come to mind, like from, from flying in the sky, I'm like, okay, what if a whale was coming out of the sky? And then there's, it's like, uh, the person's looking out the window and it's almost like the world is going up or trying to come down and, you know, just different elements like that um, are stuff that I would think about. And I also love like looking at textures, colors, um and different things like that and so inspiration comes and goes but my thing is like any an advice for someone out there wanting to do this stuff is just open up photoshop bring a bunch of images in and start cranking Hmm. and you you realize that some of the stuff that you come up with are like stuff you would never have been able to come up with if the images weren't in front of you Mm -hmm. so i I, well i so i love that this idea that you will take You'll take a previous concept and you will adapt upon it as sort of a springboard into your next design. So it's a little bit different. It's different enough that right. it feels new. And I also love you're saying right. like when you're flying, you're like you're making these abstractions in your head, and you're like, how can I turn that into a design? I think that's fascinating, yeah. and and I love that. I love this idea of just throwing a bunch of crap into Photoshop. And just seeing what you can figure out, seeing how it can come together. And I, right. one thing that I, that some creators do much better than other creators, I think, but that is something that's incredibly important. I think we forget to do this is being able to experiment and not feeling like you're wasting time. If you're, if you're, you have a, a picture of a cassette tape and you have a picture of a, a, beluga whale and you're like okay uh, maybe i can put it on the horn i don't know this is probably going to be stupid this probably isn't going to work but i'll try it see what happens just play around maybe you scrap the whole thing but it's it's this playful experimentation and it's stuff that we would do as kids but it's like as you get older you think you're not supposed to do that anymore you take it more seriously there's there's time constraints there's a debt there's all sorts of factors in your head that make you feel like you're not allowed to experiment with with uh, with something that feels not ordinary and that it might not right. work out right 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 and so i think that's Definitely. something that your design speaks to is the ability to sort of play around with concepts that 
are that maybe don't go together uh, at first glance. And yeah, because I mean, a lot of people do that stuff, and it took me a while to like just go crazy because mm. I was always like, man, my design needs to make some type of sense and stuff like that. And then one day I was like, I saw someone else's art, and I was like, this does not make any sense. Like these two objects <laughs> don't it. go together, but I love it. Like the way you thought about the stuff, and so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start trying to be more um, deliberate with that stuff. And so sometimes myself will make sense. Sometimes it's just like things that come to mind. Like there was one I was doing, um, and it was just like a cassette. Tape. Like I said, I saw I saw a lady's face, and I was like, man, what if a cassette tape is spinning? Where her eyes are supposed to be, and so the circles on the cassette tape are her eyes. I was like, man, that's stupid. And then I was like, I need to try it at least. <laughs> and so, I, and it came out good in one of my favorite posters now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, and I definitely love that design. And I think there's there's just uh, there's something to be said about how you can create something that maybe doesn't have a clear narrative to it, but it's it's like. Part part of the the function of any art form is to influence emotions, and I think what a lot of artists can do really well is they can create something that intellectually maybe doesn't make that much sense, but emotionally it speaks to right. us in a way that maybe we can't even articulate to ourselves. Like there's a lot of music, right. there's a lot of music that way where it's like it's it's you know the music is you know, a bunch of beat boops and like pads and like, there's, right. you know, there's like a drum that comes in off beat and it's, it's awkward and weird, but you listen to it and you're like, this is, this is great. Like this, this is something that is feeding me right now. Right. And I think that it takes a certain, I don't know, maybe it takes a certain emotional intelligence to, to be able to feel that in yourself and then put that on the canvas, so to speak, and articulate that to somebody else. That's a really special right. thing. There's a lot of artists who are able to do the technical stuff really well, but uh, but there's the the emotional weight isn't there. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it's a I think it's a hit or miss. Like, um, I feel like you should be as a as a graphic designer, some people care about emotion, some people don't. Sometimes your art will, will uh, convey some type of emotion, and sometimes it might not. But I think, I, I think like I would say 90% of the time, um, I think your art can make some type of sense or bring some type of emotion out of somebody. And for me, it's not always like, like I'm, I'm not always trying to be deep with my art. You know, some people are like, I'm not going to make anything until it makes sense so I can make it deep. I have done some artwork where I never really had a meaning. I just felt like, I felt like there was something, but I couldn't pinpoint it. Mm. And so after I posted it, people came and started telling me, like, this is what it meant to them. And I thought that was a beautiful thing mm. because I started to see it in my own work. But when I was creating it, I wasn't really thinking that way. And so I just love that you can create art and it can be interpreted different ways. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a very very beautiful thing and I think that people will take they'll they'll take different things than you intended. And there's like beauty both ways, right? Like it's like if you tried to do something right. and then people take it that way, great. Okay, I succeeded. But if you tried to do something and people took it another way that was also good, that's right. that's a really <laughs> interesting thing too and it's kind of surprising. It's like, "Oh, okay." And then you and then you go, oh, what did I do to make that happen? It's like you reverse engineer it. What did I do to make that happen? How did I accidentally right. do that? And then you can start to maybe intentionally do that. Right. That's it's definitely it's a beautiful thing. It's a it's it's definitely is a like uh I, I think once you're able to know how to like make people think, that's a great asset to have as a graphic designer because. Um, it was like probably three years ago that I realized that a lot of people, there are a lot of graphic designers that are actually designing based on how the human brain works and based on how people perceive things, mm. which I thought was really interesting. Um, 
So like some people have designed stuff for people who are colorblind and in the design you can kind of like, like it, I don't know, it just, it just resonates with, with people based on the design. I was like, man, there are people out there that are really designing to make a difference in the world and not just designing for fun. And I'm hoping that one day I can study that and get to that point where I'm designing things that will make people think, things that people can relate to um, and whatnot. So, mm. yeah. do you Do you have any interest in creating something that people will look at, you know, maybe even years in the future? Like I think of like a, like a Salvador Dali painting where it's like people have interpreted his paintings for years. It's like, what, what does this mean? It's a bunch of melted clocks and elephants that are like 9,000 feet tall. What's he trying to do here? And, uh, do you, do you want that? Do you you want it to be sort of mysterious or do you, do you, do you hope people try to interpret it at all? Yeah. I think for me, like Michael would be that, people would feel something and interpret it. And I wanted to start conversations. That's my biggest thing. Like I, um, I, during my posters, there was, there was like a couple of posters where for like a week straight, I just focused on people with dark skin color. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to convey was how beautiful your, your skin was despite what the media showed. And of course it was very controversial to some, but for me, it's spread, it was spreading a message of, like, loving yourself, loving the skin that you're in. Mm. And a lot of people resonated with that so much. I mean, people were buying it. People felt like they saw themselves in there. Um, and the technique that I used only worked well with people with dark skin. So mm. that's what makes, that was what made it very important to me. Um, and, yeah, so, like, just different things like that. Um, I did one with people with who are albino. Um, I had, I found a picture of a kid, a young African-American boy, but he had albinoism, I believe is what it's called. Mm. And um, I photoshopped flowers around him just to show that he's important. Like he's, he's a delicate young boy and stuff like that. Um, and people resonated with that as well. So I just try to like send those different messages um, across um, to my art to start conversations and for people to be able to like relate to you. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's awesome. So, uh, so do you do, so I know, I know you have the residency and that's, um, that's obviously helping you be supported to do whatever, whatever you're up to on a daily basis. But, uh, do you do commercial mm-hmm. work as well? Yeah, I do, but I haven't really done as much, um, just starting out because I never like, I guess the, my main audience before the residency was like people who wanted me to do weddings, people who wanted me to do album covers, but I am slowly and surely working towards like getting the commercial gigs. Like let's say Adidas reaches out to me and says, Hey, we want you to do a lookbook and add some graphic design elements to it. Like I would love to do that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's my hope. Um, to become a creative director and work with brands doing photography and design. Um, but to get there, I don't mind like doing the little work that I have to do, which is like album covers or Spotify playlist um, design work. Um, but the biggest lesson I've learned is not to sit down and wait for brands to reach out to me. So I'm a big believer on like create the type of work you want to be hired for. And that's something my mentor always told me. Um, like, you can't say I want to work with Nike and all of your uh, portfolio has wet wedding stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so rather than waiting, save some money, go out or find a stylist that can buy some stuff and return it for you. Or you can go to the store and buy some Nike gear or whatever and find the model and have them wear it and mm-hmm. do photography. And so, Be scrappy. Like, it just, yeah, you just have to like, put yourself in that position because why would they hire you and say, Hey, we want you to do this stuff. If they haven't seen you do something like what they're thinking mm-hmm. of having you to do. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, so, and it, did you say you were telling me that you, uh, you got to get out of here in eight, right? Um, yeah. Eight, eight, 15 ish. Okay. Okay. No All right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll stay, I'll stay on task. Okay. So, uh, I just have, I have a lot of stuff that I written down that I really want to talk to you about. Uh, how, well, 
what inspires you when you're when you're trying to come up with a design and in general on an on an overarching level what inspires you in your work i think i would say creation and like and when i say creation i mean like i'm a christian and i just believe that things that god has made are beautiful and so especially with people so as a photographer it's not my job to make people look beautiful they already are it's just for me to capture it in the to, to capture that beauty mm, and I so mean, articulate it right yeah yeah and so for me that's the exact same thing i want to do with design and i love portraits so like a lot of my stuff you see it's portraits and sometimes i, I got to a point i was like man i'm doing too much portraits should i try and do something else i was like ah no you know <laughs> and sometimes i sometimes i have tried to do something else um, like right now I'm doing this 20 day challenge for Adobe Illustrator and InDesign. And I'm just doing like every day I make a new poster using Illustrator and Photoshop. And then once I'm done, I'll turn it into a book using, uh, Adobe InDesign. And I'm learning a lot. Um, cause I used to use a lot of portraits and for some of the posters, I did not use, I did not use a portrait. I just made elements because with Illustrator, you can't like, I mean, I don't really draw an illustrator, so I just make, like, gradient meshes, um, different, use the blending tool to make different shapes and elements and whatnot, and I bring them together. So, um, yeah, I'm learning to do both, because um, sometimes you might get gigs where they don't want you to use any portraits or, or things like that. And so, for me, I want to make sure that I'm skilled enough to be able to make something that doesn't require, like, a subject. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think people are s- such a sort of evergreen subject because like I do street photography and all of my right. street photos contain people. That's one, that's like right. one of the, well, I have quite a few rules for what <clears throat> I'm trying to do to curate myself, right. but that's a, that's the main one, right? As I'm working people into my shots, into the environment. And, you know, I agree. It's just like, there's, there's, it's hard to get away from it because we are, yeah. especially because yeah, I'm a Christian too. We we both look at people as really, you know, sacred in a sense, sovereign. I guess is a good way to put it. Right. And right. they have so so much emotional value, and our fate and our faces mm-hmm. have so much emotional uh, weight that can be communicated with them, and we respond right. to that on a visceral level, and. So whether it's, you know, faces or the, the body or the, even the fashion, like a, I have a good friend who's a, a street fashion portrait photographer, and right. he speaks in such a, an interesting way about how fashion um, expresses who we are. Right. And so that's just a, that's a, an extension of the inner being of us as people and what makes us so uh, interesting. Definitely. So I am also a people lover. Uh, <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> um, how so? What's an area where you feel like you you feel like you need to grow? Hmm. Um. I think I want to get better with color theory. Hmm. Like my friend Manuel Lopez, he's crazy in a good way. Like the way he mixes colors together blows my mind. And he's been a designer for like 15 years. So when I first started, I was comparing myself to him a lot because I was like, dude, who thinks about those colors? Like, how do you mix all of this stuff? And but he's so good. Colors that you wouldn't think matched, he would he would use it in a way to make sure one of them is a contrast and one of them is like the background color. Um, I think I definitely want to get better with using color. And that's what I'm using gradients for this 20-day challenge thing so I can learn more, more about colors. Um, I think another area I can grow in is, I guess, just being more proactive when it comes to getting work. Because I was a high school teacher for three years, and I didn't really, like, uh, reach out to agencies or send pitches to agencies and whatnot. I was just chilling, and work came to me. And if I want to do this uh, uh, freelance style time, then I need to make sure that I am... Um, learning how to pitch ideas to brands, how to create the type of work I want to be hired for and whatnot. So I think those are areas that I definitely need to go in. Do you, do you think there was a, 
a factor of comfort in keeping you from pursue, from pursuing in a much more uh, what's the word diligent way coming across clients and finding people to work with. Do you think that it had to do with you being too comfortable, perhaps? Oh yeah, definitely. I think I was so comfortable that I would just create, which was not fully a bad thing because I was creating, I was putting content out. But as far as trying to get hired for the type of work I want, I was I was not proactive in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because I didn't know how to even approach that. So all I did was I just created content. So now the good thing is I have I have enough. Um, the good thing is I have enough work now to like be able to pitch to brands and say hey i do this i do that and blah 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 so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. very good very good uh what do you what do you hope somebody takes away from seeing your work um that's a good question (laughs) i try Um, (laughs) um i want people to like leave knowing that you know that what makes you you is that you're you. And what I mean by that is that a lot of us try to, and there's no, there's no, there's nothing bad about being inspired by other people, but we try to create like them. Uh, but the thing is, we're not going to be them. And so what you need to do is be inspired, be inspired and use the inspiration with what you know and create something that, that comes from your heart that is, that is like synonymous to who you are. And so for me, I've, I've been through my fair shares of like trying to be like this graphic designer, doing posters like this person, and it just, it just wasn't fulfilling because I was literally, now if you want to practice, that's a good way to practice. Um, but for me, I think understanding that I'm myself and that I'm the only Tammy Coker that's going to Tammy Coker poster, uh, that's what makes me like happy. Um, that's why I'm not like scared about high, about showing people my techniques and stuff. Because at the end of the day, they're not going to be able to make what I make. Mm. You know, they can try, uh, but at the end of the day, I didn't make it. So therefore, it's not something that I would make. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, I think that's the biggest biggest thing is just to be yourself um, and be consistent. I promise you, if you start, I told my wife today she's trying to get into Photoshop. To just like do graphic design stuff, I was like, if you can, if you do it once a day, an hour for a day, like you will learn so much. And that was what I started doing. And I have learned so many things in Photoshop that I never knew existed. Um, and I've learned how to like find my own way on doing things because I would see something online and they're doing it a, a different way that's kind of harder. And so I would just do mine differently. And so yeah. Hmm. Uh, how do you how do you view rules in terms of design for yourself? Are you somebody that that abides by a certain amount? Do you see the what What do you think the value is of rules? What do you think the value is of pushing I, away certain rules? Right. I think the value with rules is that if you know them, you know where to start. Mm. Right. If you know the rules, you know your boundaries. You know where to start. Now, with that being said, I tell my students this. When I was a teacher, I told them, um, learn the rules, practice the rules. Once you've practiced and you've learned them very well, break them, mm. right? Um, practice rules puts you in creative space to like know how things are supposed to look like and work. And then breaking the rules increases your like thinking. It makes you think like, what if I actually did this? Like, there's this guy named Balgasm. Like, his work is stupid, crazy, dumb, good. Like <laughs> Filthy, just, if you will. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, what, I've watched his tutorials, and what I've learned from him is that he's the person that runs the rules, but he breaks them. Mm. And so he's like, so this is how you make this tool. Okay, well, there's this other tool over here. What if I use this tool on this tool? What is that going to do? Like, curiosity. And that's what I love about breaking the rules. Like it increases my curiosity to like try different things. Um, like if I'm making a poster, I will usually like, um, I'll be trying a whole bunch of stuff. Some of the stuff that I end up doing are mistakes. Like, and people don't believe me. And I wish like, like 
sometimes I wish I was recording when I was actually making it so people can actually see. But some of the stuff I do is just random accidents. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And so I do it again. And then once I learn it, then I start trying to add and I try to build off of that. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had a conversation recently with um, my friend. Her name's Kelty, and she has studied acting and the way mm-hmm. the way she she spoke about how, how they taught her how to act in acting school was they they would say they would teach the the rules and they would get it into your body that's how she explained it get, get to get right. it into your body and then they would say all right forget all of that like once it's in your body it's there forget all of the right. rules to, and right. go out and you know I, I guess be spontaneous be yourself and so it's like you go out with this thing built into you now that mm-hmm. is um that is an adaptation not an adaptation but it's an expression of of a well-rounded you in that craft right right and i thought Definitely. that was a really interesting way to put it because it's like i'm a musician too and it and and muscle memory is a huge part of doing that muscle memory is a huge part yeah. of most crafts um to you know varying extents and uh, and it's and it's a good way to put it get it into your body get it into your mind let it sort of marinate in your brain and cover your brain in the the sauce of design rules and <laughs> aesthetics and whatever color right, theory right. And then, and then don't think about those rules. I think it's another good way to put it is like, don't, don't yeah. like, cause on a daily basis, you're not going, all right, uh, let me, let me consult my, my design Bible. Yeah. Right. It's just, right, it's, right. it's flowing, but it's built into you. So you know how to express it properly. Right. Mm. Yeah. I'm a musician as well. So I definitely, uh, relate with you on that. Like the muscle memory stuff, like in our church, um, our, Creative, uh, our music director told us like if you can't play the song with your eyes closed you don't know it mm. you know because you what have do to you get play? to the point where yeah where you like feel feel where you feel the music and your fingers understand like where to go so that because like sometimes uh, a lot of churches they have like the music sheet and stuff and it's like you're you're not really like the muscle memory is not there. You're mm. just looking at the script and mm. trying to play like that. So, yeah. 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 Um, what do you play? I play the keys. Oh, okay, sweet. How long have Keyboard, you been doing that? Yeah, how, um, I started when I was like 10. Oh, no way. That's cool. Do you know about um, a guy named Corey Henry? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Corey, Henry, Corey Henry, Robert Glasper, um uh, Snarky Puppy. There's yeah. a guy that plays keys for Snarky Puppy. I forgot his name. Dang. Oh, name. Uh, oh, uh, oh, crap. Lar- like I, it starts with an L or something? I forget. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and uh, he he played uh, he played on Lingus, and golly, it was just crazy. What, Corey, Corey Henry? Henry was, like his solo? Yes. Yeah, Corey that was Henry, crazy. Filthy. I almost wanted to quit. <laughs> dude it was yeah i mean i think every i think every jazz musician holds that solo as a legendary solo that makes you question your validity in life right <laughs> there's this other kid though his name is um uh his name is jacob jacob collier uh, yes yeah, jacob yeah, yeah. Collier. oh my gosh he's crazy yeah he's good man i just don't understand he's so good yeah and now i watched um one of my favorite things about him was there was a documentary where he went to a, uh, I forget the name of this. It was a college. It was a music college. and Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just him mm-hmm. working with these kids and uh, developing a show for, uh, you know, these people show up and then they, they all play together. And it was it was really fun to watch his, like, his brain go through that process. And also I've, I've yeah. watched his... Um, called i harm you it's live streams where oh, yeah. he'll, he'll yep. take a he'll take Harmonizing a yeah, yeah yeah he'll take a, a harmony from some oh my gosh my earbuds are flying out he'll take a harmony from somebody or just a just a single melody from somebody 
he'll bring it in to his uh, music editor. He'll start harmonizing with it. And for you, for you mm. know, there's like 250 tracks of him making a song around this single little course that somebody sang for him. And right. I, I, I was thoroughly obsessed with watching him just formulate things. And, you know, he does a lot of looping on stage as well. So he's very mm-hmm. quick. Like when he's recording this right. stuff on the live stream, I mean, like he's running over to the drum set, he'll lay down a beat really quick and they'll come back over and play a little thing on the keys. <laughs> and then he'll do five right. different harmonies in eight seconds and, and just go, Oh, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. And, um, one right. of my favorite things I heard him say at the end of one of those was, uh, I call it, I call it the vomit technique. It's where you take your all of your creative ideas and you get them out on paper, so to speak. And the I forget exactly how I said it, but you 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 get it out and then you have to have the courage to get rid of what doesn't work. Mm. And it allows you to have this sort of free form creativity. Right, I think right. we try to restrict ourselves, though. We go, oh, that ah, won't work. I won't. I won't try that. But he's just like he'll vomit all these ideas out so quickly, and then he'll go, he'll try it. He'll try it. Uh, okay, that didn't work here. Maybe I'll move it over here and make it a little quieter because that that wasn't the best right. thing in the world. But I can I can put it in reverse and make a little sound clip out of it, right? And it's <laughs> it it's just it. I love watching people create in such a. Uh, flowing freeform kind of way it's a really special thing definitely definitely well okay. i'm glad we connected on some jazz pianists that's awesome oh yeah for <laughs> sure so you play as well no i play drums okay very cool yeah yeah I, pl- I play drums and i um i've been playing since i was four but uh in the church nice. world but more so in the white church world so a little less of the right the right uh disgusting gospel fills um i i, I envy <laughs> those because I, I it's yeah i'm glad you know there's a difference because it's 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 definitely a difference and i've just been i've been pushing for like churches to be like diverse in that area because we get very mm-hmm. comfortable with hillsong songs and all this stuff and not 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 that anything is wrong with it but for me as a musician like the, the key progressions are almost the same in almost every key, and they're always they're usually playing in C, um, or they're playing I don't know the number system, but they're usually playing like a six four five six five four. Pretty, pretty and simplistic. It just sounds the same. Yeah, pretty simplistic or whatever. While if you go to like a church that is like diverse with a diverse band, you can still have some of that in there. But then there's still like this jazzy feel that that we can bring into the music to make it sound fuller and better and stuff like that. It's, so it's definitely that's what we're. Go ahead, sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was saying that's what we're we're pretty much doing in our church. Like we have uh, Hispanic uh, guitarists. We have a guy who who who's Asian who plays guitar. We have a white guy who plays keys. We have me who plays keys as well. Um, so there's a mix in there, and we just throw out ideas and yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I think the interesting thing to think about when it comes to <clears throat> church music, and a lot of people can't resonate with this who who didn't grow up in mm-hmm. the church world, but it's it's a world all its own. I'll just put it that way. Like it's there's right. a, there's a, a culture there, and uh, and there's this balance. And the question is where 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 should the balance fall between technicality and emotionalness? I guess, and mm-hmm. it's like in. Um, in the churches I grew up in, it leans more towards uh, an emotional quality. It's tr- it's trying to get right. you engaged in in the 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 moment, and right. um and you know and and like a in gospel music, it's more it's more technical. It's much more technical. It has the same end goal. But mm-hmm. there's a technicality to it that is – it's almost like they they create emotionality through the technicalness of the music. Right. And like right. I've, I've been able to spend some time around people in that world and it's it blows your mind a little bit because there, mm-hmm. there's so much uh, – you'll get around people who are much more musically diversified, their, their ability to just do things on the right. fly. And then if you get in the right church, it's just like – 
hey, we didn't even practice. We just showed up. Give me a little something in C sharp right. and <laughs> we're off. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it's like right. you got to be able to follow and you got like you're just like if you're on the drums, you're like, OK, uh, OK, OK. He made a like a thing with his hands. What do I do? OK. Uh, oh, crap. I got to, you know. And right. So it, there's also this balance between this this things being very, very planned and things being incredibly spontaneous. And it mm-hmm. goes it goes both ways. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing, but I think it reminds me that like excellence can fall all over the place on that spectrum. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Be- before I before I let you get out of here, I want to talk to you about the mm-hmm. residency really quick. Yes. Uh, first off, how did you obtain this opportunity? Man, I honestly it just applied. Um, it was a uh... Sarah Dietschy did it. That's how I heard about it. And then my other friend, Andre LaRoe, he was the resident for last year. Um, he told me he kept bugging me to apply. And I was discouraged because I just didn't feel like my work was like that good to apply. And so honestly, I even told my wife now that uh, back then, when she was my, my fiance, I told her that I didn't, want, I didn't think I was going to get in and there was no point applying. And so um, four hours before the deadline, I, and mind you, I already wrote everything out. I did everything. I just never pressed submit. Mm-hmm. And so five, yeah, four hours before the due date, um, I pressed submit. And I sent it, and I said, God, is in your hands. If you want to get it, cool. If you don't, it's all good. Um, and, yeah. And then, like, the next week I got a call to set up a phone interview, did that. And they told me to like, uh, they told me, they wanted me to like make some adjustments to my pitch, so I did. And and then they were like, okay, well, it's, uh, they're different, they're different like rounds too. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, we're gonna review back and if you feel like you're good enough to get to, not, let me not say good enough, but if you feel like what you're pitching to us is great idea that will help you and help the program then we'll move forward. Uh, mind you, there were like 1,300 applications. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so like even there were some videos online with people acting like they got the residency so that was crazy to watch on YouTube. It's like, I got the residency! And I was like, dang, well he got it, I didn't get it. And I watched the video and I was like, this guy's lying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, and I remember they called a couple of months later, uh, well, a couple of weeks later, and I flew to San Francisco for the interview. And then a couple of weeks after that, um, they gave me a call and they told me I got it. And I now, was fine because I did not expect it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, what was that moment like when you, when you, when you realized you got it? Oh, it was a lot of emotions. Like, I was crying, I was... Like just, just happy that I finally did something, even though I thought I wasn't like that. I finally did something, you know. Because like I told you, that I was always comfortable. There were opportunities for me to apply to other things, but I never did because I was just comfortable. And so um, when I got this, first thing I started thinking of was like me leaving the school and my students and all that stuff, and. Um, yeah, but when I told them, they were extremely happy, and they said they would subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch my tutorial videos and stuff. So it was just helpful, and that's it. That same day, my wife and I actually went out to eat and celebrate and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it was, it was it's been crazy, like in a good way. Like I was extremely happy that I got it, and I was thankful. Dude, I think it's super cool. And they that, worked with me. That's cool. Cool. Yeah, I think it's super yeah. cool that you celebrate it because uh we creative productive types have a tendency to skip that part it's like all right we got the thing yeah. moving on what's next what's the next right. what's mm-hmm. what, what's the next uh what's the next financial opportunity what's the next design i'm making right. how do i you know and it's like uh for a lot of people when they achieve a huge goal in their life it's like halfway the worst moment of their life because they've spent so much time working up to that thing it's like what am i doing now right so you have to have right, that's where I'm at. you have to have a you have to have a foundation for for growth, I guess. But also, I think I think we can all 
benefit from celebrating when we do something, even if it's small, we do something yeah. uh, that's meaningful and that we should we should be proud of, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like in round two, was there like a sword fight? Like, what was? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, like, did you guys shoot at each oh, other with with uh, like? Was there like a paintball match, or did it all just have to do with design? Um. Well, so I didn't. I didn't get to meet the other people because the time I flew to um, Adobe for my Adobe headquarters for my interview was like um, it was just me that day, so there was not any other people. Apparently, I heard like real good like 20 something maybe or 30 something that were interviewed and then picked seven so um they just let me know that even with interviews doesn't always mean you got it mm. when i was doing the interview people were telling me like hey you got it i was like oh i want to get my hopes up too much yeah yeah you know but i was i was happy that i made it that far and um it was a it was it was a lot like the interview like they did not play around they asked real questions and they did their research on me. Like, imagine going to an interview and they're like, yeah, so on your YouTube tutorial, we saw that you did, I was like, whoa. So you watch my stuff, mm. you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The whole process behind closed doors as far as, like, what Adobe does is, it's, like, a lot. So it's, you don't, you don't just get in. Like, there's so many people that have to approve of your work, approve of you. Um, and I think they eventually have to go to, like, the top boss to, sign everybody's name off. Mm, okay. So what is yeah. that what does that meant to your for your life since you got it? Um it's been good. It seems like a lot of people like take me more seriously now that they see a baby creative resident. <laughs> <under, laughs> That's a good thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. My friend told me about it before but I, I don't think he was real. But now it's really happening. Like, I mean uh, I'm working on some stuff with some brands that I will hopefully be able to um, bring to fruition. Um, opportunities have come for me to teach uh, classes online um, or like workshops and stuff. So I've been excited about that. I got to go to France for the Cannes Lines Film Festival, which is like the big, the biggest film festival in the world. And I got to do some work there and meet some creative people. And so that was pretty amazing. So yeah, it's been, it's been really good. It's very, uh, get very busy for sure as far as meetings and stuff and and whatnot. But I love that I have more time to do what I'm actually supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which is just design and photography. What, what would Measuring you say? together. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who is, who really wants this or some version of this for their life and they feel like it's like absolutely impossible? Yeah, well, that was me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I say don't don't wait for the opportunities to come, um, and don't feel like if the opportunities don't come that you don't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has different lengths to get to their creative journey, like to the end of their creative journey, and it's gonna look different. You know, some people might have to. I don't want to say work harder, but some people might not be able to get opportunities like this. Um, however. I feel like you should still be pursuing what you want to do. Because what Adobe told me when I was when I was sending my pitch and I was applying was that the stuff that you're applying for, make sure it is something that if you don't get the residency, make sure it's something that you're still going to do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And when, that when speaks, I, when that I speaks to that, them as a company too. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so they're like, we want you to still be creating. We don't want we don't want you to feel like if you don't get this that you need to stop. They're like pitch ideas that you're going to still work on even if you don't get the residency. So for me that spoke volumes and so the stuff that I pitched them was something that regardless of whether I got the residencies residency or not, I was still going to do. Um, whether if I didn't get the residency, I would still be doing my post for a day. I would still make a book. I would still do an exhibition. I would still make album covers and stuff like that. And so it's it's pretty amazing to just to just be reminded that, you know, regardless of the opportunities that come and go, be consistent, keep creating, and um, 
yeah, don't wait for opportunities. Just just crank them out and keep going and keep networking. And opportunities will come. Like I think opportunities are attracted to consistency and hard work. Mm. You know, and sometimes luck. But um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, dude. Good words, man. Good universal truth. Thank I think. You. Very good. I appreciate it. Cool, man. Well, I think this is a good place appreciate to wrap it up. Um, awesome. Uh, where can people find you if they want to? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. It is Tammy, T as in Tom, E as in elephant, M as in monkey, I as in indigo, dot, Coker, C-O-K-E-R. Um, you must do a lot of phone calls. Tammy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> trust me. I, like, what's your full name? And I have to, I have to like do that later. um no also t as okay. in tiger t right <laughs> <laughs> my full name is tame the lewis i've got to spell everything out i'm just doing that um but yeah you can also find me on uh the web tammy coker.co i'm on twitter tammy underscore coker um and yeah you can find me on pinterest i have a pinterest board where I have my inspirations for like stuff that inspires me for my posters. Mm. So if you go to my website, I have integrated my Pinterest board to my to uh, my website, so you can actually see it. It's called Moodboard. So tennycoker.co backslash Moodboard, and you will see like the recent uh, pins that I have I have pinned. So yeah, cool. Yeah, and well, check him out because he's a he, you are a very uh, talented creator. I appreciate your work, man. Thank you so much. Okay, very good. Thank you so much for watching and or listening, everybody. Have a lovely day. Goodbye.